Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Read you the words of a song written by George Atkins, 1819. <laughs> That's before most of you were born, 1819. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all of your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray, and holy manna will be showered all around. That hymn has lived over 200 plus years. I want you to join me in something this morning, if you would. In just a minute, I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, and all of us in a spirit of prayer. But I want to get some of you to help me that are close to the front here, and your health will allow you to do so. If you're a born-again believer, and you believe in prayer, and you know that God is alive, I want you to symbolic of all of us being able to come to the altar. We now have prayer cushions all the way around this altar where you can come and pray. When you come in, instead of finding a seat on Sunday morning, if you want to come down and pray for a few moments, that's fine. But I want you to just come and, and kneel here representing all of us. Would you do that? Those of you that are up here close to the front, until every one of these places is filled, what you're doing is you're just symbolically saying, Father, we want you in this service to can stay with us, don't leave us. As the word is preached, know, God, you are awesome. We welcome you, we love you. And what I want us to understand is what that means to us. Because he will come when we invite him. He promises that. So would you just bow your head in prayer and I'll lead in a brief prayer. And each of you here at the front, would you just join me in welcoming God into this building? Dear God, we love you. We want so much for you to come into our midst. We know that you're here in the life of each believer. But Father, beyond that, we know your Holy Spirit power just fills this universe. And we want that power here. Please come. You're, you are awesome. You're Lord. We, we love you. We praise you. We adore you. We bow before you. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. And thank you for accepting our invitation. And may you be glorified in the remaining part of this service as you have been in the part that is now behind us. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said... Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming up here, folks. And I want all of us to turn in our Bible to the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I want you to get a hold of something very special today. We are looking forward to the end of this month. The Lord prolongs His return, Palm Sunday. We will gather here not only Sunday morning, but Sunday night and every night of the week until Easter Sunday. And God has uh, 
led us to invite certain people to come and preach, and all of them have said yes, they would come, and we're looking forward to God doing some incredible things. But we want God to come now. We want him to be ready to welcome our guest, and certainly all of you are invited. Today I want to talk about the power of prayer. The power of prayer. I want to call your attention to a parable. It's in Luke chapter 18, and uh, this parable, I open with it to show you a real simple story of a very powerful judge who refused to honor God, refused to grant the prayer request of a very humble widow. But that widow knew how to pray. And it ends good. It's a short reading, but I want you to listen very carefully to it. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my, mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. This dear lady kept on praying. The judge, stubborn as he was, didn't fear God, had respect for nobody, but because of her unwavering prayer life, simply that, he finally gave up and her prayer was answered and God moved on the heart of this one, her adversary, and gave her the desires of her heart. Now this morning, I want you to think with me when you read the scriptures in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? How, how do you interpret a verse like that? How about when Matthew 21, 13 says, My house shall be called the house of prayer. Now let me help you understand the text of the morning and the context in which I'm speaking. God has said in the scripture that his bride is the church. There is one church, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, the, the Lord established his church, and he said the gates will hell will not prevail against it. The scripture says not only did the Lord establish the church, but he's coming back for the church. Now there's a lots of wonderful spiritual organizations that are on the planet now, that are doing incredible works. And they're following God's will for their life, but they're not the church. 
No parachurch organization is promised, you will be here when I return. They come and they go. They do a great work, but they're not the church. And where they differ is the church is a body with many members. Each member has a spiritual gift. When we come together as the body, then God has something he can use in all kinds of situations. Those that need help, there's a gift of help. Those that need mercy, the gift of mercy. Those that need to be taught, there's a gift of teaching. Those that are sick, there's a gift of healing. There's all and many more. But in the midst of all of this, somehow we have forgotten or we have ignored the underlying thing that God looks for in the church. And that is, my house, the scripture says, in Matthew 21, 13, shall be called the house of prayer. My church cannot function without prayer. And all the things that the church is called to do will not be accomplished until the body of Christ each bringing their part, when you are born again and you become a believer, you become a part of that body. And when it all comes together, it is the instrument that God uses here on earth, thy kingdom come or thy, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So keeping that in mind, if I took a survey this morning uh, of the believers that are here, and I asked you the question, uh, we're talking about prayer, are you for it or against it? I think you might, most of you I'd hope would say I'm for it. Well, how important is it? Oh, very important, Pastor, very important. Well, does it make any difference when you pray? Oh yeah, it makes a whole lot of difference. Well, do uh, you think God would be happy if, God, if his kids would talk to him for a change? Do you ever get upset when your children don't talk to you? You know, I'll answer your text, but don't call me on the phone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't like that. Grandkids, whatever. Let me, let me just scare you to death. What if I just shut my eyes and you say, oh, I believe in prayer. I think it's important and so forth. And I just shut my eyes and I went around like this. I say, okay, you pray. Well, some of you pass right out, right? If you call me and say, oh, that's not something I can do. I don't know how to do that. I, I'm not sure I'm capable of doing that. Now, wait a minute. I'm not making fun of you. What I want you to do, I want you to get the point. God, and I'm going to show you this in a minute. If you are a child of God, you have within you everything it takes. You don't need to go to a class to learn how to pray. What you got to do is know there is a God that wants you to communicate, and he will inhabit the praises and the prayers of his people and his children. When your little baby is brought home for the first night, daddy finds out what it's like now to raise a child, and that baby lets that daddy know what he wants when he can't speak any language other than, ah! And it doesn't take long. You know what you're saying? You want a bottle or you're not going to shut up. Is that right? Mm-hmm, that's exactly right. I know when they want to be rocked. I want to. God knows what his children need and what they're crying out for. But today I want you to notice some things that maybe you haven't thought about. First of all, God has embodied the church, as I just said, with many spiritual gifts. Then he gave it the great commandment. In Matthew 18, 19, and 20, 
He says, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For they, where two or three are gathered together in my name, then there I am in the midst. That's what we were looking at a while ago. He is here. He is here. Now he is here, first of all, to motivate us to use our spiritual gifts. Secondly, he is here in order that we understand that he knows who we are, he knows where we are, and he has told us to pray, and I will listen to you, and I will answer you, and show thee great and mighty things. But you cannot grow the church. You cannot grow the family of God without prayer. Christ is the head of the church. Organization is not the key. Style is not the key. Prayer is the key. Now, it is good to know the Word of God, the written Word of God, the inspired Word of God, the infallible and errant Word of God. So it's also, though, not only do we need to know the Word of God, we need to know the God of the Word. Because you see, the God of the Word never violates the Word of God. And I've had hundreds, and that's not an exaggeration of people talk to me, when they have willfully chosen to go against the teaching of God's Word and told me that God gave them permission to do so. I'm sorry. That was not God giving you permission to go against His Word. He says, my Word will not return void. God has honored His Word. He says what this is. So we must understand that in our praying and talking with God, we need to know the Word of God, study to show yourself approved unto God, workman, using your spiritual gift, that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of truth. But if we will call upon Him, He will answer us and show us great and mighty things. Now let me tell you what prayer is not. It's not a 60-second speech to God that will bless the people hearing you pray. Now, that's the reason a lot of people don't want to pray. I don't know what I want to say. What do you mean you don't know what to say? Well, I don't know what to bless these folks that are standing around me. Hey, forget about them. Forget about them. There was a story told about Lyndon Johnson a long time ago when he was president, <clears throat> and the man that was praying, uh, and I think it was Billy Graham, was praying, and Lyndon was there, and he stopped him right in the middle of his prayer, and he said, he said, Dr. Graham, I can't hear you. He said, Mr. President, I'm not talking to you. Pretty bold statement, hey? But let me tell you something. God understands any language. And I'm going to show you an example in just a minute. When you are born again, you are totally qualified to pray, as good as a Ph.D. in theology. You do not study the Word to know how to pray and know what words to use. And you don't have to pray in the King James English. How about that, you know? If, if you saved after the King James Bible came out, we got to use the dials and all that kind of thing. But I want you to hear me. God won't show up until he's invited in power and might. But when he is invited, then he does what only God can do. Praying is not to get the crowd quiet. How many times have you seen this? Everybody's, you know, it's Christmas dinner and everybody's around the house. You look at somebody that looks spiritual uh, that might have a prayer and it won't be long and before the turkey gets cold and you say to something, okay, everybody get quiet now. Uncle Harry's going to lead us in prayer. And everybody, and he prays for the turkey. And, you know, 
this kind of thing. And uh, everybody gets quiet. That's not what prayer is for. I'm sorry. Works at church. I've done it. Wade, don't look so spiritual. You've done it too. <laughs> Bill Cole's done it. We've all done it many times, don't we? It's not what prayer is. Not what prayer is. Prayer is our time to take God seriously. And if the church does not take God's uh, prayer seriously, I'm telling you two that will take it seriously. Number one is God. And number two is the devil. Anytime God's children pray, two people are paying attention. One is God. Our Father. Yes. Now we've got his attention. Now we've got his attention. And you say, well, you know, I think God's going to do whatever he wants to, so why do I want to pray? Now, I agree that God's going to make the final decision. But God hears his prayers of his kids, little widows, little children, the sick, the grieving. And he may or may not answer the prayer exactly like you want, but I can promise you from the Scripture he hears the prayer of the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, they know me. He hears the bang of the sheep. He hears our crying out. And he listens very, very carefully. And God's sheep know God's voice like the sheep know the shepherd's voice. We know that God speaks to the word. Sometimes a still small voice as we talked about uh, last week and sometimes it's a mighty rushing wind. But God knows the sheep's voice. He knows us, but he never again contradicts his word. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, some prayers are answered over time, like this widow's. Sometimes you have to pray for a long time. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. Ceasing. But Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, there's things that God's going to do whether we pray or not. I really don't think God's waiting for us to pray for the sun to come up in the morning. Quite frankly, I think he had that all planned. And it's going to keep coming up until he comes back again. I don't think you need to include that in your prayer life. There's some things God's going to do whether I like it or not. Because he is God. But there's some things not going to happen. And let me give you a scripture, Colossians 1:17. And he, God, is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things he might have preeminence. He is the final authority. He's the judge. He's the king. He's the Lord. He's in control. But you have not because you ask not. Don't say, dear, dear God, I don't expect you to do this, but would you consider, you know, here we go, I'm trying to talk him into something. Let me tell you another thing. Some things aren't going to happen. I don't care how much you pray. You can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for God to disobey his word, and he never will. He never will. Make, won't you put an exception clause in there? God, just this one time. You know I need this so much. Won't you do it just for me? Do you remember what I did last week? Do you remember? I brought the little cat in. I took care of it. I took it off the street and took it to the veterinarian. Paid the whole bill. And that cat was doing so well yesterday. God, don't, no, please, please, please. No, don't make a deal. God is not in the, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal business, all right? So I just tell you right off, some things are not going to happen. You know why? 
You say, well, I told you God doesn't answer all prayers. Oh, yes, he does. The answer is no. That is an answer. I know a lot of children do not ever see that as an answer, but there is an answer. The answer is N-O-No. Now get on to something else. But let me tell you something else. Just like this right here, the story. Some things are going to happen only if you do pray. That's the reason we're asking you to pray for some of these people to get saved. That's the reason we're asking you to take the card and, uh, that's right there in front of you and put the name of somebody you want to see saved. And write it two times. You keep one of them and put the other one in the boxes when you go out the door there so two of us can pray. Because there are some things that will happen only if the effectual fervent prayer of God goes up and God intervenes. Abraham prayed for Lot in that horrible city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He prayed for Lot, his nephew, to get out of there and God answered his prayer. Hannah prayed. They, if she had had a doctor, said, you can't have a baby. She prayed and prayed and prayed, and according to 1 Samuel 2, 21, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters, and the child Samuel, her child, grew up before the Lord. The Jerusalem church prayed for Peter to get out of jail. Remember that one? He was in jail. He came to the door when they were praying, and, and they were still praying. They said, well, he's at the door. He wants to get in. No, we're praying for him to get out of jail. You don't understand the laws of our city. He's locked up down there. No, he's at the door. He's at the door. A lot of us don't look for the answer to prayer. We just keep on praying, you know, don't know whether God's answered or not. But what we've got to do is stop and say, look, prayer that God prays, I mean, that a person prays to God that is always answered, always answered. There's some of those, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Are you ready for this? If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let me give you another, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You understand? Some prayers are always answered. There are many of you here today, you are one prayer away from having every sin in your life forgiven. You are one prayer away from having a brand new life starting today, and this being the first day of the rest of your life. Old things passed away, never remembered no more. That decision is yours, and if you pray that simple prayer, it, it is not maybe, it is a guarantee. No one calls upon the Lord for salvation that he doesn't save. And I want to illustrate that to you. Prayer is not a spiritual gift. It is a privilege to every believer. And if you've been a child of God 50 years or you've been a child of God for 50 seconds, you've got prayer power. You say, you have any scriptural proof? Oh, yeah. Go to the crucifixion with me. Three crosses. The one in the middle, who's on that cross? Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. What's his first word? A prayer. To who? To the Father. What was the prayer? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You think God hurt him? You bet. Well, of course, he's the son of God. There were two other people on the crosses. These two guys were there for capital offenses, executed by the Roman government. They were thieves. One of them mocked. One of them laughed. But the other one said... Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. How did he answer? It was God, right? Jesus, 
today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Hear me, my dear friend. We stand level at the foot of the cross and we stand level in the prayer closet. You don't need a religious person praying for you because if you think, now we love to pray for one another, you bet, but now don't miss my point. You don't have to have a religious person educated in how to pray and educated in the scripture to pray for you. All you got to have is Jesus in your life. He knows, he says, I, he said, I know what you're going to ask before you ever ask. I know your need. And when you understand that, it opens up the gates of heaven to you. But you must, you must believe that. You must understand you are one easy decision away. Easy in the sense that anyone can do it. All you have to do is acknowledge an absolute fact that you're a sinner and trust Jesus as your Savior and invite him to come into your heart. And the moment that happens, you are dead to the old life. You are adopted into the family of God. You become a child of God and all of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is open to you at that moment. Think about that. And there's no payment plan. There's no pin numbers. You understand? You, you, you do not have to have a code to get through to God. You just have to be one of his kids. Andrew Murray, and I wrote this in the bulletin for you. He was an eminent South African church leader. This was written over 100 years ago. He said, the man who mobilizes a Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism in history. Wow. What a mission program, Brother Wade. What a joy. If God comes in here, folks, people get saved before they get out of the cars. It doesn't matter whether the preaching's good or bad, music good or bad, or whether anybody shakes their hand. If God holds them up in their arms, he may have their hands together. They couldn't shake hands with anybody anyway because they're just a child snuggled up to God in the arms of God. Why? Because he says, whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. God takes prayer seriously. So does the devil. So does the devil. In Acts 19, 11 through 17, <clears throat> there's a story of the people in Ephesus trying to cast out the devil. The devil didn't fear them. They were trying to do spiritual things, but they didn't have the power and the presence of God. And you can do all kinds of spiritual things, but if you don't have the presence of God, it'll amount to nothing. But when God showed up, the devil, he said about them, he says, you know, I know who God is, but I don't know who you are. Well, when God lives in you, when, when the devil deals with you, he's got to deal with God. And he says, I know who God is. Oh, oh, I'm gone. See you later. I got plenty more I can go tempt. I, I'm pulling off of you. He's scared to death. Why? Because he that's in us is what? Greater than he that's in the world. Praise his holy name. Only God can meet your need and my need. One of the reasons that the rabbis in uh, Jerusalem had problems with Jesus was because he was, go back and check it out, 
He's the one that called him Father. He didn't call the Holy One, you know, this guy. He said Father, too intimate. The devil doesn't mess with people that are intimate with God. You don't, he don't mess with you. Oh, he'll tempt you. Maybe, and then he's, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know some over here don't know, you know. I think I'm going to handle them. I can guarantee you, you can turn the devil down on sins in your life that are now giving you trouble. When you say no to those sins and you do it in the power of God and you put God guarding your life and your body and your mind and so forth, the devil will run when he sees you because there's no way he can penetrate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It cannot happen. He can't come through one, much less through all three. So the devil is scared to death when you start praying. Let me read you. In John chapter 8, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bears witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. Now, that's Jesus speaking. They said unto him, well, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. See, Jesus called him Father because the two were one. When I come into God and you make the decision to come to the Lord, we become one in Christ. Now today, I'm calling our church to pray. I'm calling upon you to wake up and understand the criticalness of the hour. The hope, literally, of civilization is a spiritual awakening in the church of God. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll start healing, and I'll heal your land first. And I want you to to seriously consider making some changes as I am doing the same thing. You remember when Jesus went to pray, he took his disciples with him, Matthew 26, 40. He came to the disciples after he left them behind in the garden. You remember he said, you stay here. I'm going to talk to my father. He came back. They were asleep. He said, can't you wake up? Goes back a second time, goes back a third time. That's where he says in that 40th verse of Matthew 26, He came to his disciples and found them asleep, and he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Make no mistake about it, folks. One hour in a church service is about all that a lot of people can stand. But when you fall in love with Jesus, you won't get enough. You won't won't want to leave. You'll want to stay until God does for you, what he's doing for others that are in your midst. He asked the question, could you not watch with me one hour? Then he comes back five verses later in that third time, and he says, sleep on now. Take your rest. You're just like the rest. You want your sleep? You want to do your thing? That's fine. I want to ask you a question. What do you think would happen? If beginning this Wednesday night, and I've talked to Stuart about this, 
We used to have about five to 700 here on Wednesday night. What would happen if we walked in here on a Wednesday night and this building was filled with people that came to pray? That the prayers on the prayer card that's right there in front of you where you write a name, you're promising to pray for two people. One's the name you wrote, you're going to tear it off, put it in an offering box when you leave. Somebody will be assigned that card. You won't even know who they are, but God knows who they are, and God knows who's on the card, and you're going to be praying for those, those, uh, that person. You'll take one, they'll take one, so you'll have two people to pray for. They'll have two people to pray for. Then we all get together here in this auditorium, and we pray. And we invite God to come in here and say, God, would you come to Houston, Texas, would you come the week before Easter? Would you just fill this place with, with your children who have lifted up their thousands of friends that desperately need the Lord? Would you come and inhabit this place? And let God speak to them. God has a lot more to say to my friends and your friends than I got to say to my friends and your friends. But where God begins to speak, unbelievable things happen. And all of us, making prayer our priority, we'll be able to see God moved. A man by the name of Samuel Chadwick lived from 1860 to 1932, was a Methodist preacher in England. Listen to his quote. I want to quote him. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless worship, he laughs at our toils. He mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. That's what the devil is afraid of. If God shows up, he doesn't have a chance. And we're going to see people saved that the world thought would never, ever, ever, ever be saved. In just a few days, you're going to see a lady baptized in this baptistry that came to my office this week. I think she's on her way on a mission trip here pretty soon. She came out to the cross. You hear the Christian people, don't, I don't know why you spent all that money for, I don't understand that kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. You know? <clears throat> I said, well, we'll give you back all the money you gave. Oh, I didn't give anything. Well, thank you very much, all right? <laughs> so, the, <clears throat> so the lady, listen, this precious lady, I could call her name, but I'm not going to because I hadn't asked her, but you're going to see her story. It's going to be in a magazine. It's going to be on a television program. She came out to the cross with a gun to take her life. And by the grace and the presence of God's power, someone led her over to our counseling center. And Mike Schumacher and Linda Boone put their arms around this precious lady, and she gave her heart to Christ. And you know why she came to me? She came to ask me, could Linda Boone stand in the baptistry when Mike Schumacher baptizes her in just a few days? Because she said, those two people God used to save my life, and I want them to be standing the closest to me when I am obedient in believer's baptism. What do you think the pastor said? And I just wanted to shout, but I've stayed spiritual. <laughs> but isn't that a great story? So I'm calling on you to pray for those two people, and I'm, I'm begging you, I am begging you to come on Wednesday night and be, maybe for the first time ever, in a prayer service that Brother Stewart will lead, and we will be inviting God to come into this place. God changes lives when he shows up. So. 
What's your decision today? We're going to open up a connection center. It's right back here in the back. It's right under that, that terrace there. You have to go out into the, into the lobby, turn left here, right over there. There's three decisions I want you to think about. Decision number one, walk in there and say to the first person who walks up to you, I've made a decision today to ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. That's what you say to that person. I want to invite Jesus into my life. Option number two, I want to be baptized. I've given my heart to Jesus. I want to be baptized. You don't have to tell them about you were raised in Mississippi or born in Florida or came from India. Or That's not necessary right now. This, this is decision time, okay? I want to be born again. I want to be saved. Decision number two, I want to be baptized. I want to tell the whole world. Just like those people were, bra uh, were bragging on Jesus, I want to lift up Jesus. And number three, I'm ready to settle down in a church home with, where all the spiritual gifts are I've been religious, I've done my thing and all, but nobody's got but the church can offer you all the spiritual gifts in one place. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. And what you say is, I'm ready to land this plane right here. This is going to be my church home. I'm going to study the Word here. I'm going to pray here. I'm going to serve here. I'm going to give here. I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ. And such as I have, I'm going to give it unto the Lord of my time, my talents, my substance. And I'm not going to play this spiritual game anymore. I know it's the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ that's going to be used in the last days to get the world ready for the coming of the Lord. And I believe I have found the place. I don't care what your background is, friend. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in God's sight. I don't know what country you're from. I don't know where you're old, young, rich, poor, educated, or uneducated, but this church is in one accord. We love everybody. God loves everybody, and we love everybody. You are not recognized here for who you are or where you've been or what you've done. When you come to God, God says, I'll receive you, and we receive you too. But we're going to teach the book. We're going to love you in the Lord. And we're going to find a place for you to serve. And we're going to invite you to go on mission trips. We're going to invite you to be a part of something that God has in this generation that might change the world. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What is your decision? What is your decision? Don't be jumping up and down saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. What, what do you do? Do you need to be saved? Do you need to be baptized? Or you need a church home. Now, if you want somebody to pray for you back there, they certainly will do that. Just say, I just need prayer. And then you can tell them what it is. But if you've already made up your mind, I want to be saved, just tell them, my decision is I want to be saved today. I want to be born again. Or I want to be baptized. I am a believer, but I want to be baptized. Never had believer's baptism. Number three, I want Sagemont to be my church home. Oh, God. You are here because we've invited you here. Now, would you let us get out of the way? And would you touch to the pe people here today that you had so much a desire to touch if you could come into this place? You know those that are hurting. You know those that are just about to throw their life away for the whole future because of... The, of the way Satan has confused their carnality. Their mind is messed up. 
their spirit has not been exposed to your spirit but since you're here it now is so God would you do what only you can do let us get out of the way and you tell us where you want to use us in Jesus name Amen <laughs>